Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to Ambassador Church. A Merry Christmas. We are, like Daniel said, we're a week out. So it is time, guys. You got to get serious with your shopping, uh, serious with getting your house decorated, your Christmas tree. Uh, it is time. But um, it is also, it's time for Christmas songs, right? You've been hearing them on the radio, every store you go, everywhere. I mean, for me, I love Christmas songs. This is the time of the year that my normal playlist gets put on hold, right? And it's just, it's Christmas songs all the time. So I love it. Uh, you know, when you're listening to these Christmas songs, they kind of fall in a couple categories. There's the, what I, I mean, just your fun, your fun songs, right? You're rocking around the Christmas tree, let it snow, you know, winter wonderland. They're fun, they're nostalgic. Uh, there's not a lot of weight to them, right? But then there's the other songs, the, the more theologically weighty songs, that some that we just sang, you know, um, Joy to the World or oh, Come All Ye Faithful, Angels We Have Heard on High. There's, there's some theology to it. There's some weight to it, and they, they can inspire worship. There's, there's other songs that are theological, but maybe they're not quite so accurate, you know, they're maybe not so precise, you know, that kind of thing. A, a couple stand out to mind, like one of them is We Three Kings, right? Uh, we three kings of Orionar come. The thing is, they weren't kings, all right? They were magi. Magi were, you know, influential people. They kind of studied. They were advisors to the kings, but they weren't kings themselves. And there probably weren't three of them. They had three gifts, but there were probably lots of magi, right? Them small detail, no big deal. But another one, like Away in a Manger, where it talks about you know, the baby, baby Jesus, how no crying he makes, you know? And it's, it, come on. Like, uh, he was a cry, I mean, he was human. He was a baby that cried. He was a baby that cried because he was hungry, all right? Or he was uh, kind of itchy in that burlap sack lying in a manger. What baby wouldn't cry, you know? But we have this kind of thought that almost like Jesus was maybe not human. Like he was, you know, he didn't cry and didn't, was never hungry or tired, but he was. There's another Another Christmas song which um, kind of has potentially a theology to it, that it's, it's close, and if we're not careful, we can take that theology and put it into the church and put it into our idea of God. And here's the, the, the song I'm referring to is, Santa Claus is coming to town, okay? You might be like, come on, there's no theology in that, but just stay with me. I mean, I heard it probably six times yesterday. Uh, just in the car, we watched the movie and it was on that. And, and it's, it's funny, like we sing it as a song, but it's really a lecture. Right? It's a lecture from parents to a kid. And I'll say it the way a parent would say it. And perhaps you've given your kids this lecture before too or something like it. Right? Sitting the kid down and saying, you better watch out, kid. Right? You better watch out. Like none of this crying business out of you. Don't be pouting. You know, none of that. You know why? Because Santa's coming to town. And let me tell you what he's doing right now. Let me tell you what's going on. All right? He's making a list. All right? And, and it's accurate. It's accurate. And what's on the list is like, have you been good or bad? You're naughty or nice. Like, he's making a list, right? And he's coming. And right now, he's, he knows what you're doing. He knows if you're awake or asleep. You know, when I say it's time for bed, he knows if you go to bed. When I say it's time to get up in the morning, he knows if you sleep in. Right? He knows these things. So here's the deal. You better be good. 
right? He's not going to give you any gifts. I mean, that's what the song is really about, right? And uh, it's a fun song. We sing it and we enjoy it, whatever. But it's, it's this lecture, you know, saying you better wise up, kid, you know? And it's really motivating for, you know, a kid at a certain age. I mean, when they're 17, not so motivating anymore, right? But there's that little sweet spot where they're motivated and their kids will pay attention. But parents don't say it in June, you know, it doesn't have that same effect. Like, watch out, Santa Claus is coming in like seven months from now. You know, every kid would say, I got plenty of time to make up for that. But, um, but at Christmas time, it's, it's, it's powerful. But here's the thing. It's like this image of like Santa Claus bringing you good gifts if you're good, but no gift or bad gifts if you're bad. And here's where it, or I kind of say it could potentially be a theology song or even a bad theology song that sometimes we take that and we put that into our image of God. Right? God does know if you're awake or, or asleep. He, he knows all that, right? He knows. He's paying attention to our lives, right? But we have this image that some Christians have that, that if we are good, right, if we're really good and we're kind and we're nice, that God is going to bless us and he's going to take care of us. But if we're not, then he's going to not bless us. He's going to withhold blessings or, or maybe even punish us. So we have this, this thought, you know, that, hey, if I'm good, if I'm going to church, if I'm doing all those right things that, that I'm supposed to do, that good Christians do, that he's going to, you know, I'll get the promotion, I'll get the, the good grade on the test, that when I go to the mall, I'll get that first spot, you know, that first spot that I don't even have to fight for. Like, that's what will happen if, if I'm good. But if I'm, if I'm bad, you know, I'm not going to get the promotion. I'm going to be at the park at the far end of the parking lot. And, and then, you know, my toast is going to burn. And my pillow is going to get flat at night and wake up with a sore neck. I mean, those are the kinds of things that we can, uh, if we're not careful, we attribute. If we're good, God will bless us. If we're not, uh, he won't. And it's subtle, though. And I... I mean, we don't, we probably most of you would say, no, that's not the way it is. That's not, you know, we can observe through human nature that that's not true. But there are times in our life where we do think that. I mean, have you ever, have you been like sick? Like, I'm not, not saying like, I'm not going to work, but I'm just going to watch Netflix in my bed sick. Not that kind of sick, but like I'm out and I'm feeling miserable. And maybe around day four or five, you, you kind of have this, this, this prayer and just say, why, Lord? Why? What did I do? You know, what did I do? Why did I? I don't deserve this. It's that kind of thing. Like, I've been good, Lord. Why am I getting this sickness? Well, imagine if I, uh, if you called me, I'm your pastor, you call me up and I, you say, why? Why am I, am I suffering this? And what if I had said this? Well, have you been good or bad? You know, have you been naughty or nice? Like, when was the last time you read your Bible? How long did you read it for? Uh, you know, if you had been uh, more diligent at church, if you had better attendance, you wouldn't be sick. I mean, could you imagine me saying that? That's crazy. All right, we have this thought. I mean, this is our culture. It's the, the songs like that. But it's, it's like karma. You know, we hear about karma, and that's, you know, it's like if we do good, good things will come. If we do bad, bad things will come. And we, we, we put that kind of stuff in the church. But, friends, when we look at the scriptures, we don't see karma in here. Right? We don't see that kind of thing. We see grace. Our grace, grace is the driving feature that we see in the scriptures. It's what God has been pouring upon us. 
That not that if you're good, you get good things. If you're bad, you get bad things. Grace is that giving us what we don't deserve. It's God's favor for all people. There's a theological concept called common grace, right? That it's just, it's just God's goodness to all people, right? Where, whatever their belief is, wherever they live, that God's goodness and his grace is upon this earth. It gives, gives us the ability that everybody can enjoy that, you know, snuggling up with that cute little puppy, you know, we all get uh, just a, a warm feeling over that. Or we all enjoy cuddling up in front of a fireplace or having a, a, a wonderful meal. Like that's good for all people, no matter where they're at. So God's grace is throughout this life. We see that in front of us all the time. God's grace is not just for people of faith, but it is for all people. This Christmas, this Advent season, we've been uh, helping us prepare for the arrival of Christ, the arrival of Christmas. And so we've taken a few weeks to do that. And this, this word that is on the screen here, it's behold. And we're saying, hey, behold, stop and pay attention. All right, look, don't let these weeks pass by without capturing the moment. Like, so stop, look, and listen all right, let's prepare our hearts for Christ. We've been looking at Luke 2.10, right, where it's the angel's message to the, the shepherds. It says, for behold, I give you good news of great joy for all people. Today, we're going to look at those four words, for all the people. It's words that show up in the scripture, in this Christmas story. So in Luke chapter 10, I mean, sorry, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. It's that story of the angels showing up to the shepherds. And it says this, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So let's look at those four words, for all the people. We'll spend just a few minutes, and I, I want us to capture God's heart with that. What is his heart for all people? We see it actually show up a few times through Scripture, um, even starting in the Old Testament. The first place we see it is in Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 12, where God looks at the earth, looks at the people, and he sees that they're all corrupt. He says they're all corrupt, and he says... Uh, and it says, for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. And so if we know that story, that's where Noah comes on the scene, and that's where the earth is flooded, right? And so there's new people that start, this, this new, new earth, and, and, um, but sin is still in their heart. All right, we see it through uh, Israel. They see it different times where uh, all the people, for all the people would gather and hear the word of the Lord, and they would weep and mourn. Right, that's in Nehemiah. We see it in Jeremiah where all the people would come and, and weep before the Lord and they would fast before him. And so when you see these phrases, it's, it's, it's oftentimes, uh, it's to corrupt, the earth is corrupt, people are grieving and are mourning, they're fasting for their sins. And then we come into this passage and the angels come and shine their glory among the shepherds. But instead of bad news for all the people who are corrupt or whatever, he says, but good news has come for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. 
Now, for those of you who are technical and want to go a little bit deeper into the Greek, let me just stop and, and uh, mention this, that when you read that, those four words, it is in the singular, okay, for all the people. When you see singular, and maybe your translations might say something else, it might say for all the nation. When it's singular like that, it means for Israel, right? It's good news for Israel that a Savior has come for you to save you from your sins. And so there's this question, what will Israel do with this? The Savior has come into Israel, been born in Bethlehem, that Jesus is Jewish, he's for the people. What will they do with it? Will they keep it to themselves or will they share it with the world? Will they say, hey, if you want to receive good news, you have to convert to Judaism. You have to come and be a part of us. Like that's kind of how it was in the Old Testament, right? They were a holy nation. People would come to them. Would they do the same thing with the Savior? Or would they share it with the world? Well, we'll get to, to more of that here as we go. But the important thing is that it, it, Jesus came for the world, for all the people, for all the people of the world, for all races, ethnicities, and cultures, for the upper, middle, lower class, for the able and disabled, right? For those with ordinary needs and those with special needs, for the proud and the humble, for the sober, the addicted, the gay, the straight, the abused and the abuser, the good and the evil. God has come for all people to save them from their sins, to give them good news, just to show them the love of God. And so today, as we look at Christmas, as we, as we behold, as we stop for a minute, and we look at this message of Christmas and what it is for, remember, it is good news of great joy, and it is for all the people. Okay, no one is outside of the love of Christ at Christmas. So we're going to spend just a few minutes looking at that. We're going to look at this Christmas story, see the different people that are represented in this story, and see how uh, God pulls on our hearts to remind us of the love that God has for all the world. So let's look at this. First, we see great, no, uh, great, uh, good news of great joy is for the outcast. All right, for the outcast, for the people, I mean, just outside of uh, the people that we love and respect. And to hear specifically the shepherds, all right? The shepherds were some of the outcasts of those days. Now, back, way back in the Old Testament and all that, being a shepherd was a good thing. You had Moses was a shepherd, David, uh, Rachel, and Rebecca. There was, there was some great uh, people uh, who God used who started out taking care of sheep. But at this point, in, in Israel's culture, it was not such a favorable thing. Shepherds were not the respectable, right? They were not the highly esteemed. They were uh, more thought of as on the level of thieves. They were probably, if you kind of have like a social ranking, they were right, at the, right near the bottom. Maybe those only below them would be lepers, you know, but they were, they were just right about that level. And so they weren't really the desirable people of the society, but yet, Jesus came, the angel came and spoke to them. Now, most shepherds, because they were not really, they were kind of banned from a lot of the social functions, they were way outside. They were kind of way outside the city. But these lived nearby, and so some of the commentators think that they probably, these were shepherds who didn't just produce sheep, you know, for, uh, for wool and all that, but they were producing them for sacrifices, 
They were close to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where they would sacrifice sheep. And so they were kind of this, the people that would get the sheep right into the temple. Which really makes it interesting when you think of the shepherd, that, that the shepherds are hearing this message of, the, of Jesus. Jesus, and this is more than the angel showed, but Jesus would one day say that I am the good shepherd. I take care of my sheep. And he would be someday the, the person who would symbolize a sheep and be the sacrifice so that these sheep would not have to do it. In some ways, he's almost putting these, these shepherds out of work. That Jesus is going to come, be the good shepherd, be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. So it's really fascinating that he came to them. But they were, these ones were kind of the outcasts, the despised. So why did the angel come? Saying that the good news of Christmas is for you. And if you look at Jesus' model, how he modeled his life, you see that he spent time with people like this. Not all the, the, the royal and the, the, the rich and influential, but those who were cast aside, who people didn't think much of them. But they were painfully in need of their need of a Savior, and God came for them. I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul is writing, he talks about this. He says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might be able to boast in the presence of God. God brought uh, the word to these people who were despised, these people who were outside, so that they could be the first to worship Jesus, the first to give him praise, the first to, to, to be the evangelist, to tell about this child that was born. And so as we consider God's heart, remember that it's here for all people, but it starts even with the shepherds. Now, I don't know where you're at and when you think of yourself, do you, do you feel like you have been kind of the outcast? Do you feel like you've been the one that's been despised by God? If you do, this is good news for you because God has come for all people. He's come for you that you have a, a part of the kingdom of God, that you, you have a message to share, just like the, 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 the shepherds went out and told this good news, so you have something to give to this kingdom. You have, you have an important message to give out. You are loved. Christ has come for you. So if you feel that way, I want you to know God's heart for you. But for all of us, too, even if you don't feel that way, you probably can think about people in your life that maybe you won't maybe use that word despise despise them maybe you would right but you have people that you think are kind of outside they're they're the outcasts they're the outsiders maybe it's a a neighbor that just annoys you so much maybe it's a co-worker that you would just assume never to to see or talk to again what's god's heart for that person Would God, what was God's heart, does he, does God's heart beat for that person as much as it beats for you? Absolutely. And so I want us just to capture this, just in this moment, as we just think about the people in our lives, just to sit there and think about this person and just remember that God's love and God's heart 
is for them at Christmas and every time during the year that God loves all people, even those that we would put outside. So God, that's good news for them. But let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Good news and great joy for ordinary people. And just for the ordinary people. Maybe you relate more to that. Maybe you think, I'm just an ordinary person. All right, well, good news is for you too. As we look at the, this Bible story, we see the different uh, people that come out in it. We, we meet some different people. Right? One of them is a guy named Simeon, and another one is Anna. That's in Luke chapter 2 as you kind of continue reading. But here, the story has moved forward about 40 days. Now Jesus is a 40, he's 40 year, days old, right? And this is time for his family to bring it, come to the temple to give an offering for him, like a dedication. And as Mary and Joseph bring this little 40-day-year-old baby, they meet this man named Simeon. Simeon is a righteous man. He's devout. He's been waiting for the consolation of, of Israel. And that's, that's meaning that Israel has been kind of endured, like suffered for so many years, from Assyria to the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans, right? They've been kind of under these world powers. They've suffered, and they're waiting for this day when Israel will be comforted. And Isaiah tells them that this comforter will come uh, as the Messiah. And he will bring comfort to them. And God had told Simeon that, hey, you are going to see this Messiah. Before you die, you will see him. And one day as he's in the temple, the Lord spoke to him somehow and said, this is the child. And so here's this man, Simeon, who's able to give this prophecy, which I'll talk about in just a minute. But you have him. And you have Anna. Anna's a prophetess. She's, uh, she's 84 years old. She's the, the daughter of Penuel, and we're not sure exactly who that is. But here's the thing. When, you, when it says your name and it says that you're a daughter of somebody, that person's important. People know who they are. So here we have these two people in, in the big city, in Jerusalem, in the temple, Simeon and Anna, who are important people. Right? They have some influence. And we see, just as they're included in the story, they both have this prophecy, they both have these words for Mary, that God is using them, God has come for them, that they're a part of God's plan. But then you have Joseph, and you have Mary. They're not from Jerusalem. They're not from the, the big city. They're from these little small, the small city, way up north. Mary, just being probably a teenager, you know, just a few years uh, of life experience, and here she is, being the mother of Jesus. And Joseph, Joseph, he's, he's a, a, just a, a carpenter. He's an ordinary guy. He makes chairs and tables and, I don't know, yokes or plows. He's a carpenter, also living in Nazareth, just kind of on the, the outskirts, you know, of the country, like nowhere important. It's a small town. But what's interesting about Joseph is that he is of royal birth. He has royalty in him. He's from the line of David, right? But yet, he's so far from being a king. That's not even in his thoughts. In nowhere in Joseph's mind is he like, well, maybe someday we'll bring back the kingdom and I'll be king, maybe. Like, that's not part of his plan. He's just an ordinary guy. Special, but ordinary. We had, a, we had a guy who was a part of our church for a while who um, was part of the, he had royalty. He was part of the Vietnam um, uh, uh, emperor line. 
And so he, is, he had the, the crest of the emperor. But as we know from history, the, the emperor closed in 1945, kind of the, the, um, it, it, that all closed down. And then it went to the French and, and to where it is now. But he was saying, he's like, I have the crest. I'm second in line. If the kingdom ever came back, I would be, you know, second in line for the kingdom. My, my brother first and then me. But he's an ordinary guy. Just living an ordinary life. That's not even a concept in his mind. Like that's going to probably be a reality. It's uh, much like Joseph. Just he has that part of his background. But just a normal guy. Ordinary person. Who God has come for. And God has said, I, my love is for you too. Like God his, his, for all people, for the, the outcast, to this the very ordinary person. And some of you just feel ordinary. And maybe so ordinary that you think like, well, God doesn't even notice me. Why, why is he? He's not going to pay that much attention to me. But God loves you. He loves the outcast. He loves the ordinary. Whether you're from the big city and you're this important person, your name is in the Bible, or you're just from some other town and nobody knows who you are, God's love is for you. Sometimes we feel like we have to, I don't know, maybe you feel this way, like you have to get God's attention, you know, like a little kid, you know, trying to get his mom's attention. Like, mom, look at me, look at me. Mom, mom, hey, mom, I'm over here, you know. We feel like we have to do that to God, too, by being super special, or else he's not going to notice. But God notices you. He sees you. He says, I see you, son. I see you, my daughter. I love you. You're close to my heart. So sometimes we just feel like, yeah, what, what, what role do I have? What, I'm not important in the kingdom of God. God has come for other people more important than me. But no, 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 he has come for you. You're part of that all people. Praise God for that. You are valuable. You are important. He notices you. So God's heart for all people, the despised, the rejected, the outcast, the ordinary people. But let's keep going. Good news of great joy for foreigners. All right, for those outside, the foreigner. Uh, you remember when I told you when the angel gave the news? Good news, great joy for all people, for Israel. All right, but... Here's, that's where it's kind of started. And I said, what, what would happen? But remember that guy Simeon I just told you about? Simeon who was, saw Jesus and, and prophesied over him. He does something very fascinating. Right? When he sees baby Jesus, he says this. He lets out a prayer. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. And now I can die according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. You see that? Of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people of Israel. Simeon did something kind of tricky. He took that message that was for Israel and he expanded. He made it plural. He said it's for all people, for all the people, for all of the world. A light of revelation for the Gentiles. That because of this child, that this child is here for all people. No matter where they live no matter what their ethnicity is. They don't have to be Jewish. They don't have to come here to Jerusalem and convert. This message is going for all people. And because of that, that's why the Magi are part of the story. The Magi, they're from the east, probably Persia, probably. 
These magi who had been paying attention to uh, the happenings around them and they see the star. While the shepherds are speaking to the, to the shepherds there right outside of Jerusalem, right outside of Bethlehem. So Jesus is announcing, or God's announcing the birth of his son to the world. And he puts a star up there and these magi see the star. And they start making these connections, right? Reading the books of Daniel who was in Persia. Right? Remember, Daniel was put in Persia. He was in charge, and he had been talking about there's someday this, the Savior is going to come, and he gives kind of this timeline about these 70 weeks and all of that. And so there's something that, that they're probably reading. They're reading these other prophecies from Numbers that talk about this star coming from Judah, the scepter that's going to rise. So they're paying attention. They see that. They come. They follow the star, and then they end up here in Jerusalem looking for Jesus. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw the star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Here it is, the outsiders, the foreigners, coming from far away to worship this child. So God has come for all people, for all the world. That's our mission, isn't it? As we see in Acts, uh, that the, the church said, we're not, not going to keep this in Jerusalem, we're going to take it to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and we're still doing that. We're still taking this message. There's still people in this world that have not heard the gospel. And so we, as a, a Christian community, have been uh, trying to translate the Word of God into every language, right? We've been working hard at that. I say we, not, I haven't, but the church community, right? We have missionaries that are around the world that are translating these scriptures. They've been doing so for so many years. Right now, we have about 7.14 billion people that have uh, a Bible or a portion of the Bible, right? Most of the world. There's still over a billion people that don't have it. There's still lots of languages that don't have the Scriptures. And we're working on that. And that is our prayer. Our prayer is that the whole world would have access to hearing and receiving the, the truths about Jesus, that their lives would be changed. And not just, not just have the Bible in their language. Like, the goal is not to, like, print this in every language and just say, eh, we did it. But it's to see lives transformed by that to have the scriptures, but then being able to learn the scriptures and being transformed by that. So we're trying to do that in every language, but there's also another people group that, that's interesting we don't always think of. But it's our deaf community, sign language. Well, this is kind of new to me. As, I was, as a kid, I thought, you know, there was like one sign language for the whole world, but come to find out there's over 400 languages that can be signed but only one of them has the whole scriptures. Only one. Over 400. They still don't have uh, signs, uh, being able to have a sign for Jesus and for the gospel words. And so for us as a church and as a Christian community, we want to continue to see that work go. We want to see the scriptures in every language for the printed and for the signed. We have a lot of work. The, the goal is to have it accomplished here in about the next uh, 10, 11 years. That's, that's a big task. But we have a big God. We're going to pray that way. 
Some of you may not know, but we have people in our own church that are working on doing this. We have people that are working on translating this into one of those unreached people groups. If you're interested, just I'm not going to say who it is here, but if you're interested, let us know, and I would love to connect you because we have people that are here that are doing that work. Praise God. Let's keep praying for them. We do have some others that we do support that are living over in Africa that just, just finished that. Just, I think, a couple of years ago, they got the, the Bible completed in one of these unreached people groups. And now they're printing the Bible and they're distributing that Bible in, in a very um, uh, hostile environment. So, right, we have in our church and we're connected to two uh, different families that are doing that work. So let's continue to encourage that, support that. And if, like, like I said, if you're interested, I will be very happy to connect you. And see what is happening. But that's why Christmas is here. It's for the whole world. And we want to continue to see that happen. Amen. Um, Last one. And wrap it up with this. The good news of great joy is for everyone in the darkness. It's not just ethnicities. It's not just, you know, people in different parts of the world. It's It's for those who are even in the darkness. Paul, as he now enters into the story, this is many years later after Jesus has died and resurrected, and Paul comes, and he's, a, he's a, a missionary to the Gentiles. But he says this, he says in Titus 2, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Here Paul is just saying that there's, this is for all people. There's those people that are living in darkness. And he describes them as they were following their passions and their worldly lusts. They, that they have been living their own life so apart from God. Not even close to honoring him with their lifestyle. But God has come. The gospel has been preached to them and they have received him. They've received the gospel. Their lives have been changed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 He's also saying, he's talking about these people. He says, this is who you guys were. This is the church. This is who it's made up. People who used to be sexually immoral, idolaters, uh, adulterers, men who had sex with men, thieves, greedy, drunks, slanders, swindlers, all of you. That was all of you, but you've all heard the gospel and you've been changed. And that's who makes up the church. That is who God came for. The message of Christmas for all people. So that brings us back to the beginning. When we just talk about this concept of God, that sometimes if we're not careful, we think that God has come for the good people, those who have been extra nice. And that he gives good gifts to those who are nice. But to those who are not nice, those who are rude or selfish or uh, whatever it is, that he gives bad gifts or punishes them. Friends, that is not the scriptures. Might be an image of Santa Claus. It might be an image of karma that others believe around the world. But as followers of Christ, that is not the message of Christmas. It's not good news of great joy for only some people. It's good news of great joy for all the people, all the people of the world. 
So whether you're the outcast, whether you're just the very ordinary, whether you're the foreigner, or whether you're the disobedient and you feel far from God, that Christmas is here for you, that, that Christ has come into the world to save you from your sins. And that's the one thing that all these people have in common. We are sinners, and we are in need of a Savior, and that Savior has come to you. Will you receive? Will you receive that good news? If you are here and you have never received this good news, I would encourage you, I would pray, I would be excited for you to receive Jesus Christ today. I would be excited for you to say, all right, uh, however I thought of myself or wherever I identify up here, I need a Savior. And I'm going to come before you. I'm going to receive this good news of great joy. Receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I would be so encouraged if you did. Your lives will be changed. That's why Christ came. For those of you who have already done that, you've already said, hey, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. What we hear from this is just a reminder of God's heart. God's heart is for all people. And sometimes we're so good at dividing and separating. We want to be be with people that we enjoy. We want to be people like us. We want to spend our time with them. But the heart of the gospel and the good news of Christmas is that he's come for all people. And so who are those people in your life that you you need to be a light to? You You don't want to. You want to maybe avoid or whatever, but you need to. You need to spend time with them, whether praying for them, sharing the story of Christ with them. How can we be a light into the world? Because God's love is for these people this world and may we as a church may we reach out may we be excited to share this hope to share this good news with all the people